Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Stripe Tap to Pay on iPhone came along and changed everything. With Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. No more juggling different methods. Just a simple tap on my iPhone and transactions are complete. What's truly remarkable is how Stripe caters to all my customers' preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Stripe ensures a smooth checkout experience every time. Setting up Stripe was a breeze, taking just minutes to get up and running. From local markets to global retailers, Stripe helped me expand my reach and grow my business with ease. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. Nick Marvay has supported Independent Tech News directly for five years. Be like Nick. Become a DTNS member at patreon.com slash DTNS. This is the Daily Tech News for Thursday, January 24th, 2019 in Los Angeles. I'm Tom Merritt. And from Studio Feline, I'm Sarah Lane. And from the cold countryside of Finland, way, way up north beyond the wall, I'm Patrick Bajan. <laughs> and I'm the show's Winter producer, here. Roger And now Patrick's watch is ended. Uh, <laughs> wait, wait, what? what well, you're I... wa- you're, you were watching <laughs> yeah. for the show to begin. Now the show has begun. You don't right. have to watch okay. for it. No, Tom, yeah. it's going to end at the end of the show. <laughs> yeah. So right. Watching you know, the tech He still has another half hour. Okay. Yeah. I'm going to take the black. <laughs> Let's start with a few tech things you should know. Last year, Verizon launched a startup called Visible in the U.S. that allowed anyone with an unlocked iPhone to get unlimited text, voice, data, and hotspot usage at speeds of up to 5 megabits per second for $40 per month. No contract, no fees, and no stores as well. Everything is managed through an iOS app. However, the company is launching Android compatibility in beta as well, selling iPhones and Samsung Galaxy phones, all with 0% APR financing available. Apple has added Microsoft Office to the Mac App Store with a package that includes Word, Excel, PowerPoint, Outlook, and OneNote. Apple worked with Microsoft to add the ability to subscribe to a bundled app, which needed to happen before Office could come to the store. A subscription runs $69 for an individual or $99 for a household of up to six members. Businesses can also order through the App Store and distribute to employees through the Apple Business Manager. Hmm. Yeah, that's nicer than having the Microsoft Office update thing interrupt you when you launch Excel mm. to make your spreadsheet for the tax lady. Mm-hmm. It's just a, a made up an example, not something that happened to me literally 15 minutes ago. Never. <laughs> uh, Texas Instruments, Xilinx, and LAM Research all posted quarterly results Wednesday that seemed to have reassured investors who had been concerned about the impact of China-U.S. trade relations on the chip industry. TI missed on revenue, but it beat expectations on profit. Xilinx and LAM also beat estimates for the quarter, and TI reported weakness in demand in China 
for them anyway, is primarily due to the semiconductor cycle. However, Intel came and splashed cold water all over that, uh, forecasting Q1 revenue and profit below analyst estimates. Net revenue for last quarter from Intel rose from $17.05 billion to $18.66 billion, but it missed analyst estimates of $19.01 billion. So good news, bad news. If two announcements make a trend, we might have one. So Vivo announced its own portless phone, the Apex 2019, which it will show off at Mobile World Congress, which is going on in Barcelona uh, uh, this month, later this month. Charging works through a rear-mounted magnetic connector that can also handle data transfer. So not exactly wireless charging, but close. Like the Meizu Zero we talked about that on the show yesterday it has an in-display fingerprint sensor and uses the screen as a speaker and it's also bad g portless it's the new trend mm-hmm. all right let's talk a little bit more about what's going on with self-driving cars at apple Patrick. Oh, that's me. Sorry. Uh, sources tell CNBC that Apple has cut more than 200 employees from its autonomous vehicle effort, Project Titan. Although an Apple spokesperson told CNBC some groups are being moved to projects in other parts of the company where they will support machine learning and other initiatives across all of Apple. So essentially in non-denial non-denial we'd rather you focus on the people we're keeping than the people we're firing (laughs) (laughs) back in august apple hired tesla's engineer vice president and apple veteran duke field to head up the titan team alongside bob mansfield uh if i were to read the tea leaves on this uh which is part of our job here i would say this probably means apple has figured out finally what they want to do with this um if for a long- and, and what would your tea leaves say about that? <laughs> well for a long time Tom. people have been been debating like are they going to actually build a car are they just going to build mm-hmm. systems are they going to build a ride hailing service with autonomous cars what are they going to do and this to me make, makes me feel like they finally narrowed it down and, get, and said okay this is probably where we want to go with this you folks are working on parts that don't fit with that direction so we're either going to move you to you know other machine learning type places uh where we can take advantage of your expertise in other projects or if it's like well you were the person who was going to help us actually you know build cars and we're not going to build cars then you know good luck go find something else to do it's uh it's the second time if i'm not misremembering that uh rumors of a significant restructuring at Mm -hmm. uh, project titan have happened i'm the team is, from what we're hearing, much bigger than 200 employees. So it would be unlikely that they have completely disbanded the team. So I would tend to agree with Tom. Um, it's unlikely they're building a car. It might still happen. But yeah, it, it would seem they now know which direction they want to go or Maybe that's even too much interpretation, but it's, I mean, I don't think they're abandoning what they wanted to do with uh, autonomous vehicles. Um, No, uh, no. My guess has always been that Apple, even if they hadn't decided on it themselves, would end up providing technology that folks could include in cars the way airplay or car, car, car play. Uh, mm-hmm. is except except more so right it would it would be an apple version of, of autonomous systems uh, and that's my best bet for where they end up we, we still don't know 
Twitter is testing a new feature to make it easier to know who started a thread when multiple accounts participate in discussion because it can get a little wild out there. The company says the new original tweeter tag, as it's being called, at least in testing, is rolled out to a small percentage of iOS and Android users, along with account verification. You might think of this as a feature that could help cut down on confusion about who's who. You know, like if Elon Musk starts it, starts it, you know, (laughs) it, 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 you know, some very, very lively discourse on Twitter, you might see some replies. I don't know. Maybe that one of the replies is like an Elon Musk fan account or something where you, you'd kind of have to look at the handle to be like, "Mm, okay. So if you know that that person is verified, so to speak, I think that's helpful. I, yeah, but I don't think that's exactly what it's for. I mean, yes, but not with the example of Elon Musk because everyone knows who Elon Musk is. No, and but there's the, the a, TechCrunch used this example because it's a real-world example where people pretend to be Elon Musk, jump in on the thread and say things that confuse people because they think the real Elon Musk is saying it and they they haven't been able to tell right away. Right, and right, the conversation is being shared enough that, yeah. you know... And you I, don't I always see the beginning I, of the thread, right. But but yeah, I don't think this is really what it's for. I think this example is not the best one because you it's I don't think people would get completely uh, uh, confused by this case and mm. think, oh, I think this is it. It's more for people who reply to something and then you jump in the middle of the thread and you don't know the person who was originally um, uh, posting the thing and 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 so you you're not going to notice that they are the one replying because the threads on twitter are incredibly messy um which by the way is being addressed by another uh inter- ui element that they're also testing um but it's really interesting the way twitter has evolved its ui has always been relatively slow and if you look at twitter like from Three years ago, actually in the past three years, maybe there hasn't been a lot of uh, uh, changes, but it doesn't change uh, significantly from one year to the next. But over a few years, it does add a lot of features and a lot of uh, things that help make the product better, but they wait for people to use it a certain way. And they resisted threads for a very long time for very good reasons. Now they've implemented them, but people have used them to start entire conversations because Twitter is being used more, I think, by certain people. And so you need the threads to be a little bit cleaner. And I think this this will help. Uh, I've complained that Twitter is a little bit uh, uh, confusing, and I'm guessing I'm not the only one, but I think this would actually be a useful feature. I mean, kind of. I don't understand why people are so excited about this. This seems like a minor feature test, which is nice. Uh, I've definitely had plenty of times where I I click on a response in my timeline and and scroll up to see who started this thread. And this would allow me to maybe not have to do that. Okay. But maybe I just use Twitter differently than a lot of other people. That is not something I've constantly complained about. Being able to edit spelling mistakes in my tweets, oh yeah, that's definitely something I've constantly complained about. Having better thread management so you can you can see threads easier entirely, like Patrick was saying, definitely something I've complained about. Having a label that tells me who started this conversation is just a nicety. I, well, I and I think, I think this speaks to the way that 
maybe we use Twitter that other people do not. The mm. conversation aspect of Twitter, I'm like, how'd this all start? Oh, it's a meme now. Uh, you know, there's like a million <laughs> likes and, you know, so many people have like jumped on the on the bandwagon. That's a real thing. Yeah, yeah. Maybe, you know, maybe it's not something that we're engaging with. Um, uh, uh, but I, I do often sort of get into something where I'm like, well, how would this start? We're, sure. <laughs> let's go to the top. You know? <laughs> let's and I find think if you jump in there. This sort of thing. So I, th- I think that would actually be pretty helpful yeah. to me. If you jump in the, in the middle and you see who is the original poster of this thread, it helps you pay attention to what they're saying without having to go back all the way up. It's Although not I as useful as I still want to know the what they thread. said to start the thread a lot of times. So this isn't going to help me with that. Yes, it's basically so, it's basically the blue check verification for <laughs> I started this thread. That's it's what the it OP. Is. It's the OP original poster mark <laughs> on right. on Reddit, except OT original tweet. Yeah, right. yeah. original gangster. Uh, Dell announced the Dell seventy five four K interactive touch monitor for classrooms. Uh, the 75-inch display supports 20-point multi-touch and works either with hands, uh, so you can just touch it with your fingers, or stylus, and they include two passive stylus, styli uh, with the purchase, styluses. It also has something called screen drop, where users can press a button on the side of the display to switch between three different heights. That provides accessibility for children, obviously, but also people in a wheelchair, pe- just people of different heights. It's Dell's version of the Microsoft Surface Hub or Google's Jamboard, but focused on the education market, whereas the those two are generally focused on the business market. The Dell 75 4K interactive touch monitor, as it is snappily named, is available April 30th for $5,999.99. Dang. That's a lot. I mean, it's not for your home. This is this is right. the price of a really high-end television. And, if I, and while schools aren't super rich... Uh, if, if they were, if they were a, you know, a school budget is, is more able to handle $6,000 than a, than a person, a home budget. Not by much. Yeah. Yeah. I I would be more concerned about the, the UI and the way it's designed for this specific use. Um, I mean, I'm sure it's running on windows, um, but I'm guessing the, kind of software you need maybe there's going to be a market given that these kinds of screens are being more and more uh uh, common but i'm guessing the software would need to be designed specifically especially if it's going to be used in schools it says that it can handle pretty much all software i mean that's what dell says but they're not doing anything like google and microsoft to your point to to make it make the best use of it it's just running regular old windows Exactly. And so are there already, is there already a lot, maybe there is a lot of software designed for these kinds of users specifically. Um, but if there isn't, then you're going to have a great screen and not a lot, and it's going to be wonky to, to run stuff on it, I think. Well, and it's $6,000 a pop. You're only buying one of these, you know, if, if your school district's going to buy one, you're not putting this in every classroom, at least most schools won't be. Mm. Well, we talked about headphones and uh, wireless headphones and all sorts of Bluetooth headphones earlier on the show uh, this week. Sources now tell Bloomberg, and this is a good story for us, that Sonos wants to expand to high-end headphones. So getting out of the living room and the company's potential wireless over-the-ear headphones are still in early development stages, but could be launched by next year, priced around $300. Does this make you happy? Because you're a Sonos fan and you've been looking for wireless headphones. 
Yeah, I mean, $300 is way more than I want to spend for what I'm talking Like, I'm talking about stuff that I can run in in the rain. <laughs> the- these are not those headphones. Like, I'm not paying $300 for headphones. They're going to short out. However, I love Sonos. I do think that their audio quality is top-notch. I mean, they're the best of the best. And I, I... I can't imagine that the company wouldn't want to be like, okay, well, we've conquered the living room. Like everybody has their Sonos speakers or maybe they don't. Where else do we go? And we go to, you know, headphones that yeah. people, everyone needs those. That's true. You're looking for in-ear and these are over the ear. Uh, yeah. And, and, and uh, you know, this is the kind of thing Sonos needs to do. There, there was a point a couple of years ago where we were all sort of wondering, is Sonos done? Or, you know, have they been lapped uh, by, yeah. by the Amazon Echoes of the world and 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 Apple AirPlay and such? Uh, and they're they're hanging in there quite well, actually, by embracing all the voice assistants and and That's right. and innovating on their product line with different products that appeal both to high-end audiophiles as well as somebody who just wants something that's easy to use. Uh, and and this is a part of that strategy. It's an interesting part of that strategy because I don't think of Sonos with headphones, but that that's what you do when you're you're trying to make sure you don't get but left you behind. you do think of Sonos, for the most part, as high-end audio. Right. You just don't so think about it, it in you know, your ears. Yeah. It's like, yeah. you know, you're competing with Apple at that point. It's yeah. like, do you not want the earbuds? Well, maybe you want something that Sonos has to offer because it's such high quality. And and the thing is, it it's natural for them to expand there. Um, and also, 300 bucks if they are indeed high-end headphones, I don't think that's super you know that's not so super dissimilar to the prices of these kinds of headphones of course you know they it, it's not cheap but if you want some really high-end uh headphones most of the time whether it's warranted or not you're going to end up paying these kinds of prices um thinking about uh headphones like the bose qc 35 uh either one or two i think they're maybe even a little bit more expensive so it it seems uh, reasonable. And Sarah, maybe they will be IP67 or 68 and, and you'll, you will be able to run in the Very room. stylish with your over-the-ear headphones. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man. <laughs> it rained a lot in LA two weeks ago. Yeah. <laughs> These are the things I think about. Well, folks, if you want to get all the tech headlines each day in about five minutes, be sure to subscribe to dailytechheadlines.com. Uh, a lot of folks in our Slack were talking about this. Uh, saw somebody on Twitter asking about it, and uh, it's it's making the headlines out there. So I thought we'd do a little bit of an explanation of Google's proposal that a lot of ad block extension makers are saying would stop their extensions from working. This is the kind of story that gets a lot of people's backs up uh, and causes a lot of people to overestimate what's happening. So let's run through what's actually happening. Google has made a proposal. That's the important thing to realize here. Yes, Google is powerful with Chrome, and yes, they could force something through if they want to, but let's just listen to it under the assumption that this is a proposal. This is not necessarily how it will finally be implemented. Google has made a proposal called Manifest V3 that changes how Chrome handles extensions in order to prevent malicious extensions from undermining privacy and security. You can question Google's motivations as we go through this, but there are legitimate things that this proposal achieves, and privacy and security is extremely important to people these days. The goal would be to give users more control over what extensions do and which sites they interact with, as well as improve performance of extensions so they don't slow down your browser. This is all very similar to changes that Apple made to Safari back in 2015. 
So on paper, you could say this isn't controversial, but it has to do with ad blocking. So let's keep going. Among the proposed changes, no longer will extensions be allowed to load code from remote servers. The extensions would remain static after being submitted and only be able to use the code that was reviewed before the extension was admitted to the Chrome Web Store. That's important. On the one hand, it's very good for keeping bad code out. If you can't load code later, then all the code is under review, and that's the only code you use. There's a downside to it we'll get to in a second. Number two among the proposed changes, universal access to all websites can no longer be requested at install. So this makes things a little more difficult for extensions that want to be able to block ads or malicious scripts on everything. And here's the big one. Uh, among the proposed changes are replacing an API called Web Request with an API called Declarative Net Request. Now, don't worry too much about what those mean. Web Request is the existing API. It lets extensions modify requests and modify responses. So it can block a cookie from being set. It can block JavaScript from being executed. And that slows down the browser performance because everything has to be passed to the extension. The extension says yay or nay. Then it goes back to the browser. That slows things down. Uh, Google wants to replace this with declarative net request. Now, the other thing that web request would do would allow a malicious extension to, to look at your, your cookies and steal session cookies. And you wouldn't be able to do that when you can't add code and under the restrictions of this new API. This new API called net request has the extensions declare the kind of responses and requests they want to be blocked or redirected. And say, you know, look for this. You can, and they can use wildcards and stop that. And then the browser executes it. That speeds things up uh, because the browser does everything, and it doesn't have to talk to the extension and back and forth. It would also stop malicious extensions from actually seeing the cookies or other sensitive info. They couldn't steal it because the browser is the only one that seals it. All right. However, here's the downside. Developers of ad blockers like uBlock Origins say that if the proposal was implemented, it would stop ad blockers from working because declarative net request doesn't allow for more complex patterns. For instance, uh, uBlock ships with 90,000 filters, can work with half a million, uh, keeps constant updates so it can keep on top of stuff. And if it can't push code to the extension and it can only use 30,000 items, because that's another part of this API is Google limits it to 30,000 then they can't do things the way they do it now. A lot of folks looking at this have said, the syntax of this new API, declarative net request, is similar to that used by Adblock Plus. And a lot of people are saying, mm, that's interesting. I wonder if Google and Adblock Plus cooked this up together. A lot of other things besides ad blockers are affected by this. NoScript has said that the new API would not be sufficient for it to block malicious scripts. Makers of anti-phishing extensions have pointed out that the new API only allows plain text blacklists. That would allow fishers to be able to see if they're blocked and then change their URLs. And as we know, with phishing, it's, it's a constant battle to stay ahead. So if you can't encrypt your blacklist, you're at a disadvantage in stopping phishing attempts. All of this has been responded to by Google uh, in many ways. Google software engineer Devlin Cronin wrote on the Chrome discussion list, this design is still in a draft state and will likely change. Our goal is not to break extensions. So I know that's a lot to parse there, but to sum up, the TLDR is Google proposed a change to how it handles extensions that works fine for Adblock Plus and doesn't work well for a lot of other ad blockers because it limits what they can do, although it has positive security aspects. And Google says, hold on, 
We're listening to all of these problems that no script and you block and ghostry are all saying, and we're going to try to accommodate them. And Google is saying, uh, despite what you might think, we're not closely working with Adblock Plus over other blockers. It just happens to be that this is the one that still works. Now, the the suspicions come in because Google has a built-in ad blocker. It's already live in Europe, Canada, and the U.S. It's rolling out to the rest of the world July 9th. And its ad blocker, while using standards from the Coalition for Better Ads, certainly allows the well-behaved Google ads to show up. Whereas, I don't know, maybe some of these other extensions might impact Google ads, which would impact the Google bottom line. So a lot of people are saying this new API is self-serving because it protects your bottom line. I was going to go all conspiracy theory with this theory, but you stole it from me. So um, I guess I have to. <laughs> I mean, be you can you you can pile on. Well, yeah, still, yeah, so, I so I mean, I just lined out what the thought is. How likely do you think that is? Well, I think there's no question. This is exactly Google protecting its bottom line and sticking it to the little people who want to use real ad blockers. No, I don't know. Um, but I mean, it all seems very reasonable. I think the 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 minimum we have to do if we're reasonable is wait uh, a few weeks or however long we need to to see before it's implemented to see how it's modified because obviously proposal draft it will change um and it does have very beneficial aspects i mean the fact that uh, an extension could uh uh you know add code from a remote server is a security nightmare. And that alone seems like a a decent way of doing things. Although this is not the point that uh, the the ad blockers who are complaining are are the most strongly complaining about. Um, It it seems like something that would make sense. Um, And also, as you mentioned a couple of times, it doesn't completely block any type of ad blocker from, from functioning. Um, I guess if Google is indeed doing this to protect their bottom line, they're being incredibly crafty. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. The Claude 3 model family from Anthropic is your one-stop shop for enterprise AI. With models at every point on the price-performance curve, you no longer have to make trade-offs between intelligence, speed, and cost. Claude 3 Opus sets new industry benchmarks for intelligence, Sonnet strikes the perfect balance between skills and speed, and Haiku is the fastest and lowest cost model on the market, perfectly designed for high-volume, high-speed use cases. Join the thousands of enterprises who trust Anthropic to keep them at the frontier. Visit anthropic.com slash Claude today. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Stripe tap-to-pay on iPhone came along and changed everything. With Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. No more juggling different methods. Just a simple tap on my iPhone and transactions are complete. 
What's truly remarkable is how Stripe caters to all my customers' preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Stripe ensures a smooth checkout experience every time. Setting up Stripe was a breeze, taking just minutes to get up and running. From local markets to global retailers, Stripe helped me expand my reach and grow my business with ease. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. Clever <laughs> and finding ways of making this seem uh, completely reasonable in a certain, from a certain angle. That's um, defensible, right. Yeah. It's it's incre- it's more than defensible. It makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Um so and and I think a lot yeah. of people are are upset because they weren't included on the conversation. I think that's why you see you block with their nose bent out of shape like, "Hey, the proposal, the great proposal, why didn't you talk to us?" And I guess Google's saying, "Well, we're talking to you now." You know, but Yeah, exactly. Uh, and, and and they are. This is a proposal yeah. is to draft. So it's the process is is still early uh in in discussions. So yeah, I can. That being said, if you are uBlock Origin and your entire business model is is threatened by this uh, uh, change, I think the the thing you do is get on top of a mountain and start screaming <laughs> for people to pay attention to it. Because if they had just said, How "Very French uh, of you to say so," but. <laughs> well, I mean, uBlock Origin, you know, I don't that's think it's French. French. Always on uh, mountains screaming. But if they had just said, okay, sure, Google, yeah, I, right. I almost said, okay, okay, we'll discuss, we'll talk. <laughs> we wouldn't be talking about this now, I don't think. Possibly and not. And so Possibly. the pressure wouldn't be, I mean, the, 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 the conversation wouldn't have been so focused on this for, you know, a half a news cycle. And the pressure wouldn't be on Google to make sure that they do what they can to work with uh, the people who are impacted by this, or maybe not as much. So I understand them as well. The, the one thing it does shine a light on is Google has outside influence in the browser market because Chrome has such a large share of the world market. Uh, companies like this, companies like Ghostery and Ublock feel like maybe this, you know, this is an abuse of power versus just saying like, hey guys, you know, in the back channel on the forum, this doesn't work for us, let's revise. Uh, it, you know, it, the perception is is a little harsher when you're like, you are the only court of appeal here, Google. There's there's nobody yeah. else I can go to because a lot of this stuff cascades down to other browsers through the Chromium project as well. And it's not just that their business, their livelihood would be threatened. Likely, it would be, uh, uh, I don't want to be say obliterated. They could still work it into a, a an ad blocker but they would have to completely change their product yeah well thanks to everybody who participates in our subreddit sometimes you talk about chrome sometimes you talk about other things you can submit stories and vote on others at dailytechnewsshow.reddit.com we're also on facebook hang out with us there as well facebook.com slash group slash dailytechnewsshow let's check out the mailbag Let's do it. This one comes from John, and he was piggybacking on our uh, mailbag from yesterday's show. Um, and John said, I thought Steve's email on Singapore's comments about an AI framework sounded familiar, and I was right. DARPA is pursuing a very similar area of research. XAI, or explainable AI, 
which is what it means, thought this might help justify not Justin Robert Young autocomplete <laughs> a larger conversation on this topic. Yeah. And he linked us to um, something from, from DARPA itself. And well, the, in we the will show not now. be having a larger conversation on the topic today, uh, but we definitely appreciate right. sending along the link and we'll have it in the show notes at dailytechnewsshow.com. Uh, but good to know that Singapore, DARPA, and I'm sure there's others. I, I bet they're deep minded. I think the European Union is, is working on some things. I would not be shocked. Uh, Got to be something going on in Finland. When we say a thing is happening on the show, we don't imply that it is the only thing of its kind. That, no, that, no. This is, this, yeah. is, this is, you know, the hive yeah. mind at work. People saying, oh, yeah. yeah. You know? <laughs> um, speaking of hive mind, Patrick Beja, we missed you on Tuesday, but thanks to, for being with us on Thursday. How is life in Finland and where can people keep up with everything you're doing? Uh, as mentioned at the beginning of the show, life in Finland is cold, <laughs> but it's also very beautiful. I mean, we're getting a very snowy, lovely, white uh, winter. Um, also very happy to uh, have had Justin and Brian on Tuesday and uh, have them help their album reach incredible heights uh, if you want to see what i'm up to you can go to your podcast app which you're probably using right now and search for one of two things first um you could search for monthly video game briefing where scott and i cover the news of the gaming world with uh, an angle trying to uh discuss things from a casual standpoint, or you could search for Pixels, where uh, I cover the news from the gaming world in a more uh, core gamer um, way. So either monthly video game briefing or or uh, Pixels. And of, or. You can definitely. And or. Yeah, you yeah. could listen to both. Yeah. Or do you have Absolutely. to choose both of them? Uh, folks, we uh, really enjoy the folks who stick around and keep us uh, live, loud, and independent on patreon.com slash DTNS uh, as a way of saying thanks. Anybody who stays at their tier for three months as of January 2nd, uh, at the end of that three months is going to get some merchandise as part of a Patreon beta program. Uh, Len's five-year anniversary art that he made in December to celebrate our fifth-year anniversary will go to advisors on a poster or people at the master level on a mug. You can check out the details at patreon.com slash DTNS slash merch. And if you have feedback for us, our email address is feedback at dailytechnewsshow.com. We're also live Monday through Friday, 4 30 p.m. Eastern, 2130 UTC. Find out more, tell a friend, dailytechnewsshow.com slash live. Back tomorrow with Rob Dunwood from the SMR podcast. Talk to you then. part of the Frog Pants Network. Get more at frogpants.com. Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this program. <laughs> Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hi, this is Janice Torres from Yo Quiero Dinero. From a local business to a global corporation... Partnering with Bank of America gives your operation access to exclusive digital tools, 
award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful, you'll make every move matter. Visit bankofamerica.com slash bankingforbusiness to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America N.A. Copyright 2024.